welcome back, DJI Multiverse. This is DJI Mark for issue number 36 of the Dad's Got Issues podcast. Charlie is joining in remotely. We will be taking you on a trip around the multiverse today. Uh, as you have now probably figured out, we are doing around the multiverse every two weeks to kind of let the news build up um, from you know, the media side of things with Hollywood and television. Um, it actually kind of works out better, especially during the pandemic. Uh, gives us a little bit more to talk about and a little bit more to review in the meantime. Um, we were actually able to get through collectively um, Wonder Woman. We were able to get through, uh, I was able to finish up Supernatural, and then obviously we both got through the season finale of The Mandalorian since our last Around the Multiverse issue. Um, overall, I think me and Charlie pretty much had the same views on all three topics, so we'll get to those at the end. Um, but we'll start with our normal Around the Multiverse news segment, so to speak. A lot of Warner Brother news um, recently. Obviously, last Around the Multiverse issue, we covered a lot of Marvel and Disney and all the fallout from their stuff. Um, but uh, it looks like uh, it was uh, DC Warner Brothers' turn um, with the release of Wonder Woman and, I guess, the news, so to speak, of everything coming out of Warner Brothers Studios moving forward. Um, I guess the big news would be that Wonder Woman 3 was uh, greenlit pretty much immediately after the release of Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max and in theater simultaneously. Um, we're going to dive into our Wonder Woman breakdown um in a little bit, uh, I don't think me and Charlie are as big of fans of this movie as we were of the original Wonder Woman, but um, apparently it was successful enough to warrant a third installation in the franchise. Yeah, we'll get to uh, get to our takes. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tease my my take on it, and that's you know, I enjoyed it. You know, no. Uh, Nothing that I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. But you know, like I said, we'll we'll talk to that when we when we get to it. But yeah. Um, so uh, other news coming out of Warner Brothers Studios is that uh, there are some issues of brewing on the Batman set. Um, apparently, Robert Pattinson, not just Robert Pattinson, because he's gotten a lot of flack um, over the last calendar year. Um, for his lack of outward commitment to this role. Like, he's come out in the middle of the pandemic and said, like, yeah, I'm not working out. I'm not maintaining this physique because we don't know when we're going to go back into production. Like, he, he's not, he's not like, buying into this, the franchise, like, a, a lot of the fans want somebody to buy into it. You know, kind of like Ben Affleck did. Even when Ben Affleck was out of role as Batman, he was maintaining that Batman physique because he didn't know if he was going to have to come back and do reshoots or reshoot the entire movie, essentially what they ended up doing for justice league. Um, and obviously Ben caught a lot of shit when he came back and did the Josh Weldon reshoots and he wasn't in shape because he, he was under the impression he was completely done with the role moving forward because they had already cast Robert Pattinson when they came back to do the Weldon stuff. Um, but from what I've read today and read through a couple different articles, um, comic book resource um comic book news.com 
BatmanNews.com, a couple different articles from different people have all said the same thing, basically saying that, you know, Matt Reeves is being so particular, so meticulous on what he's shooting. Um, he's starting to piss off not only the actors, but also the crew who are now being held for longer hours, longer shoots. Obviously, everybody's getting paid. You know what I mean? But you're in the middle of a pandemic. These people don't want to be at risk or at exposure longer than they need to be. But also, like, it's like little things. Like, he's seeing, he's he's basically watching an entire scene back on set and being like, oh, I didn't like that part there. And then they're going back and reshooting for that one scene, the entire scene. Uh, or that one moment in the scene for the entire scene. Um, and obviously for guys like Robert Pattinson, who is acting inside of a costume that from reports is pretty clunky um, because it is an early iteration of the bat suit. He's not happy. The, the crew's not happy. And it's getting to the point that Robert Pattinson is considering walking away from the film entirely. Um, I don't know how that would work contractually, like what the obligation is for him to do the film. Um, and I don't, I think we're far enough into it. Like obviously they already released the trailer for it. Who the hell knows what that would mean for this movie and the franchise as a whole moving forward. Um, I don't think at this point you can just replace Pattinson and move on like nothing ever happened. Um, but we'll see what comes of that. Like I said, it, it's a lot of it's rumor and speculation at this point. Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves themselves have not come out and said anything. Um, but it's tough. It's tough when you're hearing all of this to think that like there's a future here. You know what I mean? You there, Char? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry, um, mute button and doing dad stuff at the same time we're recording. So, yeah, I mean, it it is what it is, man. Like, I I don't see this movie getting canned. Um, you know, this is one of the this is another thing that's going on in Hollywood, um, where, I, I, from an actor standpoint, sure, I get it, but you're getting paid millions of dollars to play pretend. Like, yeah. put the f over it, and and do your job. Uh, like that's what it boils down to. And if you're, if you are seriously that unhappy, fine, then walk away, yeah. but know that, you know, what you're doing is going to follow you for the rest of your career. If Ray and uh, Ray Fisher, if you're listening, that's for you. Um, like it's, I, I call me whatever you want. You know, you can say that I'm, I'm being petty or, or whatever, but I don't know, man. Like I listen to these millionaires and billionaires go around and, and complain about the job that they have to do. And to me, it's not that hard. It's not like you going out every day and putting your life on the line. It's not like, uh, you know, the guys out there that are, are scraping by to, to put food on their table with a pandemic going on. Like you guys are seriously just, again, playing make believe. Yeah. And to sit here and whine and complain about stuff like it just it it, it gets on my nerves. I'll, I'll, I, you can tell that this is definitely struck a nerve. So, um, I, I hope that they can get through it. I hope they can get past it and do what they got to do uh, to make this movie happen. And you know what? If he never plays Batman again, guess what? I'm not going to care. Yeah. So, so what Charlie's alluding to with the Ray Fisher thing is another story that's come out of. Warner Brothers, DC's, you know, movie studio, basically, you know, they're 
dumpster fire of what they they've put together over there. Ray Fisher um, is saying um, Warner Brothers and DC have appointed somebody to the head of DC Studios, basically, um, that was involved in the Ray Fisher scandal of Josh Welding treating Ray unfairly, according to Ray Fisher's account. And there have been some other people that have backed his story to this point. But Ray Fisher Fisher has basically just been beating a dead drum for the last year and a half, saying that, like, he's got no quarrels with Zack Snyder. He loves working with Zack Snyder. And he just doesn't like working with Jeff Johns and Josh Weldon and these certain executives. And he wants DC and Warner Brothers to fire all these people because he's asking for it. And this is the thing people like tend to understand, like you don't have to like your boss when you work for them. Um, And I'll go on the record here saying right now, the sergeant that I currently work for, I don't always see eye to eye with. And there's days where I know he doesn't like me and I don't like him, but we, we understand that there's a mutual agreement that he's my boss and I work for him. And there's some days that I'm going to have to eat some shit. And unfortunately, even as my supervisor, there's some days that he's going to have to eat some shit. And there's some things that I do that unfortunately the buck stops at him and he deals with the consequences. And there's some things that I do that fall down onto me. But at the end of the day, He's still my boss and Ray Fisher needs to start to understand he's a contractually obligated actor. If Warner Brothers decides after his role with Cyborg is complete that they want nothing to do with Ray Fisher, he can still move on and do movies. So if Warner Brothers decides, and and this is the thing too, he could decide after he's contractually finished with his cyborg role that he doesn't want to work with Warner Brothers. So why does he get to dictate how a company does things moving forward when he can just take his ball and go to a different studio altogether and work for whoever he wants moving forward? You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have the right to tell Warner Brothers who they should work with or who they should be firing or hiring or promoting or demoting or whatever. He's an actor. He and, is and not even uh, uh, an A-list actor. You know what I mean? Yes. The problem is, is he, he had, he had a pretty solid movie. Um, he was a boxer. I, I don't want to say Muhammad Ali, but I think it was like Sonny Liston or somebody like that. He, he portrayed them Prior to his role as Cyborg, Cyborg was supposed to be his catapultion into the A-list roles, so to speak, kind of like it did for Chadwick Boseman with Black Panther. But unfortunately, we saw what we got out of Cyborg in Justice League, and it was unfair. I think he, he could have had a bigger role, should have had a bigger role, and I think we're going to get that in the Snyder Cut. But it's one of those things where you're like, look, man, you're you're still a B-list superhero on the Justice League. Like, just because they they incorporated you into the just this character into the Justice League movie, doesn't put you on the echelon of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, right. or Aquaman. Like, right? He's, he's cyborg, right? Yeah. And not taking away from cyborg, but you know, and like you're a Teen Titan. You're not. You're not Justice League to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. You'll never be. But when I think Justice League, I never think Cyborg yeah. ever. But we, but we do. But we do both agree that he kind of got shafted, and that his character wasn't highlighted like we thought he was going to be highlighted, just based off of like previews and things. But then on top of that, now this actor's coming out and he's claiming all these things, and I hate to say this, but nobody else is really 
backing him, like that was on the set. Like you're not getting Gail Goddard, or sorry, Gail Goddard coming out, or Godot, or however you want to say her name. Yeah. You know, yeah, coming yeah. out and backing him. Henry Cavill's. Yeah. Here's what here's what I will take away from what Gal Gadot said. She said, you know, with Ray coming out and speaking his truth, you know, like she supports him for speaking his truth. Yeah. And that phrase right there, that tells you everything, or at least to me, that tells me everything that I need to know. Yeah. Because she said that she caught some crap from Whedon and that uh, she squashed it right then and there. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Um, but she's like, you know, for him to go and speak his truth, that means that, uh, it, you know, yeah, maybe he was treated on, uh, poorly or whatever, but he didn't man up. He didn't do what he was like. He didn't do what she did yeah. where she's like, Hey, knock it off. Yeah. And that was the end of it. He just let it happen or, or um, didn't really bring it to anybody's attention. And now after the fact, yeah. wants to whine and complain about it. Yeah. So. That's that's enough about that, I think. I mean, like you said, don't think that we're unfairly taking shots at Ray Fisher or his account of the events. We're not victim-blaming here. We're not saying we don't believe that these things occurred because they did move post-haste from Weldon back to Zack Snyder to finish this cut to get it out. Partly, I think, but because the movie just fucking bombed and it was terrible. Like you can tell the parts that were Zack Snyder. That's the problem with bringing in two directors that have visually different takes on cinema. And you could tell just watching the movie when you were watching Zack Snyder stuff and watching Josh Weldon stuff. But we digress on that point. We're going to move on to some more DC um, HBO move uh, movie news. Um, DC came out. Warner Brothers came out and said that they plan to release up to four DC movies a year starting in 2022, upwards to which would be two theatrical release movies and two HBO Max release movies. Um, Their plan is to focus on the lesser known characters on the HBO Max platform and obviously put out the big, the heavy hitters in um, theater. Matt, we already know there's some things, you know, obviously Matt Reeves is Batman, like we just spoke on, is supposed to come out in 2022, but Matt Reeves is already developing a spinoff around the Gotham Police Department for HBO Max. Same thing for James Gunn's Suicide Squad is supposed to come out in 2022 with a spinoff for Peacemaker, which is the John Cena um, character in the new James Gunn Suicide Squad. So those two, the GCPD peacemaker series we already know are coming to pilot for hbo max in a show format but we're also obviously know that we are getting the flash we're getting aquaman 2 shazam 2 black adam all these movies that are coming out and now there are talks that they're going to actually continue ben affleck's run as batman um that the the last time we see him will not be the flash movie that we will potentially be getting a actually full-blown either television like format on hbo max or simultaneously with this patent franchise them coming out with a batman franchise for um another theatrical release just with ben affleck in the role if i'm being honest as a batman fan i would prefer to see robert pattinson in theater at this point and ben affleck on hbo max because then it won't take away from the theatrical release of Robert Pattinson. Because I hate to say this, if you're going to put up Robert Pattinson's Batman versus Ben Affleck's Batman, 
I hate to say that Ben Affleck's Batman's probably going to do significantly better because you have a lot of fans that don't think he got the just desserts that he deserved being that character. But on top of it, he is probably closer to comic accurate Batman that, you know, I think all of us kind of want out of a Batman movie at this point where Robert Pattinson's probably going to go back to like the Christian Bale, you know, um, Christopher Nolan style of like realism where like, yeah, it's clearly a superhero, but he's existing in a realistic plane of thought, so to speak. Um, a lot of people had a lot of shit to say about DC saying they're coming out with this many movies. Um, basically saying, well, DC and Warner Brothers don't make good movies, so why would they do this? Well, they have a fucking streaming platform. They have to come out with content. And unfortunately, there's only so many HBO Max originals like Euphoria and, you know, you know, Band of Brothers or whatever, HBO originals that they can come out with that'll get people to subscribe to that app. What's going to get people coming back to HBO Max is DC and their properties. At this point, we know that superhero, we're in the golden age of superhero cinema. That's what's going to bring eyes to the streaming platform that is HBO Max. And fucking Marvel just announced the same thing. We're acting like fucking before Mando to this point, the fucking Star Wars trilogy was really knocking shit out of the park. They really weren't. But Mandalorian's doing so good, it kind of compelled Marvel, Disney, Star Wars, Lucasfilms to kind of push forward and move into that realm of, all right, well, we're going to fucking milk this train until we can't milk it no more kind of thing. And they announced, what, 10 series? We only have five DC properties that have been announced at this point. Obviously, we know we're getting Green Lantern. We're getting Justice League Dark at some point. But there's other... But they're not confirmed, right? We haven't had any real hard confirmation that those things are actually going to occur. Um, so that that kind of wraps up cinema news. Not a whole lot, obviously, post-Marvels and uh, Star Wars um, announcements. But uh, we do have some TV stuff. Uh, Cobra Kai Season 3 debuted today, uh, January 1st, uh, when we're recording. And um, Sabrina... Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, part number four, debuted um, in our hiatus. Um, I actually started watching that today to wrap that up. It's the last season uh, for the Netflix original. I'm hoping they do some more Riverdale crossover stuff. Um, I haven't gotten to that point in the show, but it seems like that might be where we're heading with that. Um, And obviously Cobra Kai season three is the first Netflix directed season for the former YouTube original show so it'll be see it'll be interesting to see how netflix takes the story and continues to run with it um as far as toy news goes not a whole lot um coming out um flame toys is coming out with transformer model kits um which look pretty cool um i don't know if you actually have to paint them or not just looking at them it's a 64 dollar price tag for that um um, Bandai's coming out with more Gundam um, models. I know we don't really talk much about that, but that was a big part of my childhood. I used to um, love Gundam, and um, they're pushing out at a $30 price mark in March. And then um, I guess Funko News, you're getting the the whatever, the samurai version of your your favorite batman characters um i guess they um they're they're trying to just mark it off of what was that batman one um 
Batman movie that they did. The the Ninja Batman movie, whatever. Yeah. So there's actually, it's funny because like a year and a half ago, another vinyl toy plastic company had the the rights to that like ninja style Batman where he's like in the, the ninja armor. And they made like a, I mean, it's probably like a 18 inch, 24, two foot, in, you know, two foot tall statue of Batman and Robin. And they're in that garb. It's just them standing in a pose. They're not articulable or anything, but they were super fucking expensive statues. You're talking like two, 300 bucks. Um, when I was at plastic empire in Georgia, the shop owner actually, you know, he, he was willing to work a deal with me to get it for a significantly less price. But like, I'm like, I have no, I have nowhere, like it's Batman. So it would fit in the room, but I'm like, I have like, I have no interest in that, that, that bat, like the, you know, that manga style or the, 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 even the ninja Batman or the Batman ninja animated movie. I wasn't a huge fan of. So I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll pass on it. But then obviously, you know, I have the DC wall of Funko pops in my, my man cave and I have one of every number. Well, these are all brand new fucking numbers. So I have to get, you know, all of them. Luckily plastic empire did have them for pre-order to include the chase. So I don't have to worry about that, but there is a Funko shop exclusive. I have to keep my eyes out for moving forward in order to keep my wall complete. Um, I don't hate them, but, and everybody was like, different complaints about like, oh, it's stupid. I'm like, well, at least it's not a repaint. Well, why did they use the animated series heads instead of the regular pop heads? And I'm like, why does any of that fucking matter? Like it could be the regular pop heads or it's still, it's still a stupid fucking design concept. They're just doing it. Funko knows that, you know, it, for, for someone like you who collects every number or whatever, like, you know, the people you're, you're going to buy them, you know, or for the person who's like, Oh, this is shiny and new. I'm going to buy all of these only for it to be three months later. And they don't fit my collection. Yeah. Uh, Um, but yeah. And then, uh, like I said, you're getting a bunch of different, like cool stuff from, from that. I mean, like I said, I'm not a big fan of, of it, but it is what it is. At least it, at least it's something I know I'm getting that, you know, in the last couple months, like, like the the Blacklight series pops that came out um, prior to Black Friday for Hot Topic. They have not restocked. I don't know if they're ever going to restock again. So now I'm starting to look at whether or not it's worth the $40 a pop to buy that. Obviously, I need them for the wall because they're all separate price. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm really hoping Hot Topic gets a restock at this point. Um other than that, not a whole lot of toy news, like I said, uh, with the holiday season winding down. Uh, we'll probably get more toy news in the next couple weeks leading up to the virtual Emerald City Comic Con. We'll get some ECC Funko exclusives. Um, ECC usually doesn't have a whole lot of toy exclusives, but I'm assuming the vinyl market is going to start to blow up here soon. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people diving into that with like custom and like, you know, vinyl, you know, toys and things along those nature. Uh, uh, one that locally, um, is, um, fifth frenzy turtle. He's a, a guy that does them out of, out of Maryland. He does, a, um, this thing called like the dreamers. Like we've, we've given him, you know, there's a way in our group before, but like, he's one, it's like, he's starting to get a, a following in a crowd, you know, his, his, his Facebook page, um, where he does a lot of his, his dealings is grown from like, you know, a couple, couple hundred to a couple thousand over just the last, you know, couple months. Um, so it's interesting to see the rise of these custom, 
like resin toys, so to speak. They're not articulable or anything. They're more like less, you know, the same as Funko where they're, they're kind of stationary statues, but you know, they're, they're pretty cool designs and he's come out with some pretty cool stuff. Um, he started with like Ninja Turtles to, and then he created his own character and he's been kind of running off of that. Um, but uh, let's get into some some breakdowns here. Um, let's talk Mandalorian. So obviously season two has come to a close uh, with the announcement of all these other franchises, um, spinoffs popping up now. Uh, it's interesting to see the direction that they went with the finale for Mandalorian. Um, what were your thoughts on on the the season finale? So. Uh... I loved it. You know, I thought that it was great. Uh, it, it's one of the, it ended with, uh, with a super huge surprise and, you know, to see, uh, I, I, all right. And also let me say this. I've never been a huge Skywalker fan being a, a star, the star Wars fan that I am. I've never been a huge Luke Skywalker fan. I was always a Han Solo kid. Uh, and then, you know, Boba Fett and, Vader and everybody else, and Luke was always further down on that list. Yeah. Um, but seeing what he did, uh, when he showed up on the ship, on, on uh, um, Moff Gideon's ship, uh, <laughs> move up in, in, at least in the coolness uh section of, of my, my rankings, uh, because he came in and just kicked ass, and it and, was awesome. And you know, I think a lot like. Because obviously I've been watching Clone Wars, um, catching up on that. But I've also, you know, I've watched the movies, watched Mandalorian. It seems like all the other Jedis at some point in time have a really, like, badass scene where they, like, tear through some droids or some, you know, stormtroopers or with a lightsaber, I mean. And the same thing for Sith. Like, I think that's the thing that makes a lot of Siths really cool. Is that at some point you get a scene of like a Sith just mauling down people or mauling down like a town or a little village or, 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 you know, other star, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the rebel forces, whatever. But we didn't ever really got that from Luke in like the original trilogy. Like his battles, like his, his epic lightsaber moment, moments were battles with Siths. Where, like, he didn't really have to cut through, like, stormtroopers or, you know, the, like, the death squadron that they had, you know, in, in Mandalorian. But, like, it's one of those things where, like, you look at it now and you're, like, you watch that scene, you're, like, damn. It really showed the gravity of, like, his power. Like, it showed that he was the most powerful Jedi in the universe. Like, he just walked through that whole entire ship and just laid fucking waste up until the door. You know what I mean? So like for me as like a as a, a very novice fan to the Star Wars franchise like but I'm still familiar with it. That was the first time I got to really see Luke kind of just walk, you know, basically he made he made it look like he was like, you know, where they look like they were drowning at times, you know, Mando and um the rest of his little crew that came with him on that mission, even Boba Fett to a, uh, to a point obviously he he runs off into the sunset. But like they were, they were waiting in water there for a little bit. You didn't know if they were gonna, you know, come out of it on top. And obviously, he walked right through like he was, you know, a hot knife through butter, basically. Yeah, um, he, uh, he, and it was very reminiscent of of uh, Rogue One when you see Vader show yes. up. Yes, yes. Uh, 
which was really cool. Yeah. But that's my point though. Like we, in rogue one, we got Vader going on a fucking rampage down that hallway through, through all the, you know, all the, all the good guys. And you're like, that's what makes Vader a badass. That's what makes him look cool, you know, but we, we never, we don't get that a lot with a lot of the Jedis, you know what I mean? Like, so like, that was my thing. I I think that was a, a big moment. And like you said, I thought that was cool. Um, me as somebody, what I was gonna say, you know, where, where do we go from here? You know what I mean? Like, um, because, uh, and, and so like, I know you're not there because you you haven't, uh, you haven't watched rebels or anything, but like the whole thing with, uh, the dark saber. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Bo-Katan, she won't take it because, uh, she's not allowed to but like if you watch star wars rebels you know that that's not true so we have to assume that maybe that's already happened like there's a there's a lot of unknowns here well my Um, my my big question is is like if in rebels you don't need to like beat the predecessor in battle to uh, to obtain the dark saber and to use the dark saber did they just throw that in at the end of Mandalorian to create controversy for the next season? Because you don't have, so for two years or two seasons, it's been Mando getting the child to the Jedis. That's, that's, that's been our, our, our main objective. Well, now we have no objective, but now you want Bo-Katan and Mando to coexist because they want to go back to what's the planet for, for uh, okay, so they want him to go back there and basically reclaim the planet, but Mando doesn't want to be in charge of anything. You know, he doesn't right. he doesn't want to lead this this new planet, you know, or this new guild, so to speak. Bo-Katan wants to do that. Well, in order to do that, Bo-Katan felt that she needed the dark saber to bring that back there and to prove her worth. Well, now Mando's got that. So right. the thing is, is like, if they're, they're going to make it this power struggle of, you know, it's going to ultimately, they're going to go back. They're going to take back over the planet and Mando's going to have to be the guy in charge, at least for a little bit. You know what I mean? Or he, or he has to lose the dark saber somehow to yeah. somebody and then Bo Katan can, can get it. But, but if yeah. the person beats this, but, but that's the problem though. Like Mando's going to have to like basically die. To lose the saber, I think at this point, I don't think so. I think that he could lose it some some other way, right? Like he gives it up, you know, for for whatever reason, something like he does something. There's there's a number of ways you could do it, but the but, problem, um, but the problem you run into there is that now you're creating a major plot hole because if it was that simple, and I get why Bo-Katan wouldn't want to take it because it's it's like a lesser victory. But the problem is, is the way Moth Gideon basically made us believe, or at least he made it out to be, was that if he just gives it to her or he gives it up and relinquishes it, then the power, she doesn't have the power to control it, to, to actually yeah, well, activate it. Well, no, no. She just loses credibility. That's all. It, it's, it's one of those Mandalorian mythos things Man, where... fuck that. Who gives a shit like, at this point? Well, all I was thinking, I was like, you know, there's an easy way to get around this. Kill Moff Gideon, 
<laughs> and then everybody else on the ship just, you know, shuts no, the fuck up. Like that's it. And you're yeah. done. <laughs> but like I said, my, my big problem I have is, is I think so. So perfect example, my daughter, she, she loves baby Yoda. Yoda is baby Yoda. Like we were watching, we were watching clone wars and she's like, why does baby Yoda look old? And I'm like, that's, that's, that's actually Yoda. I'm like, that's, that's, you know, whatever. So I was trying to explain that to a three-year-old. But my thing is like, she likes to watch Mandalorian with me. If we watch Mandalorian season three and there's no baby Yoda, she's not going to be interested at all. Yeah. So like my thing is like, they're going to have to jump to Luke with Yoda or whatever Jedi Luke pawns Yoda off onto. But my, my problem I have is, is if they don't have baby Yoda in season three, there's going to be issues, I think, for the show overall as, as a marketing thing, unless they're going to replace him with somebody, but I don't know how you replace. I mean, that, uh, that the, the show is, is focused around Din Jaren and Grogu, right? Those are the two characters yeah. that made this show. If, if neither of them are part of it or if only one of them is part of it, you're going to lose people just like with, uh, you know, it, it, we're going to talk about supernatural, right? Yeah. If they would have killed off Dean or, or Sam, I mean, they did, but yeah. Um, a lot, you know, oh, you knew they weren't gone, right? You knew that they weren't gone, that they were going to be part of the show. Yeah. Um, but if, if you lost one of them, let's say around season 10, like the show doesn't last. Yeah. But like I said, I, I, it, it'll be interesting to see where we move forward. A lot of people were speculating and saying, Oh, well, season three is going to be focused around Boba Fett. But then Disney quickly came out and squashed that and said, no, Boba Fett's going to get his own series. Yeah. This is like we're moving on from the Fett story in Mandalorian. I think, like we said, we're it's going to be the Bo-Katan Mandalorian feud. I think because I think it's what we're heading to. I think it's going to be a feud between the two of them. I think that was the drama they set up at the end of season two in Mandalorian, and I don't think they have it in their budget to consistently have a CGI'd Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, so now they're like you said that you were kind of disappointed because you were hoping it was going to actually be somebody playing Luke Skywalker, but it sounds like Sebastian Stan is actually in talks to be cast as the next Luke Skywalker. So if we are going to see a live action, like either series or maybe a live action performance in Mandalorian of Luke Skywalker, it sounds like it's going to be Sebastian Stan. At least that's with, um, producers and executives of Mandalorian want moving forward. Um, is it Dave Farva or whatever? Um, he's, he's the one push. He, he's the, huh? Are you talking about John Favreau? John, yeah, John Favreau. Sorry. He's the one that's pushing for that. Um, I, I read the, I actually saw the audition. Apparently there's an audition tape for him to play Luke Skywalker. Um, that's been circulating. Enough like him to where it's it's not going to be distracting. It's not going to be like the guy who played Han Solo. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great like. Obviously, I understand the waterworks and tears and everybody being all upset. Like diehard Star fans, I get Star Wars fans, I get it. But like you know, like for me, like I'm like, oh yeah, it's sad. But like I'm like, but this was the fucking mission. We knew this was coming. <laughs> like like we knew Mando wasn't gonna keep him forever so to speak like at some point he was gonna have to give him up for training purposes 
So it was kind of like, you know, yeah, it's sad, but we know it's not the end of the show. And we also know it's not the last time Mando and him will be together. Um, so for me, it was, it, it wasn't like that super emotional, you know, moment for me. I, uh, honestly, like people were saying, like what they should have done was when they were staring at each other down the hall before, you know, the, the elevator doors shut, basically he should have had, they should have had, uh, Grogu, gra- you know, levitate the silver ball from Mando. I'm like, that would have been a, a nice touch, but like, yeah. Because they made such a significance of, like, when they blew up Mando's ship, him getting the ball. You know what I mean? Like, and then they, 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 they completely missed the, the boat on that, 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 that potential moment there. But, and, and they, and they kind of took away from him taking his helmet off by allowing him to take his helmet off, like, what, an episode before that? <laughs> like, but, all right, so uh, let's jump from, from, a good review to, I think, a middle-of-the-road review. Because I think we both are going to agree that Wonder Woman 1984 had its high points, but its low points are definitely glaring and an extreme weakness for the film. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and talk. Uh, so, like, like I teased earlier, right, it was... Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be a person who's like, "Oh my god, this is awful." I'm, uh, if I would have been to the theaters, I would have been so mad. Like, no, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't that bad. Like, it was not to me. It wasn't bad to the point where I was. I would be mad at spending my money on it. Yeah. Um. It the you know yeah were there were there parts of the story where I'm like eh, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But you know what? It, you and I kind of talked about it before when, you know, when we when we read somebody's like, you know, they got the pre-screen it or whatever uh, review. And it's like, it is a movie. <laughs> you know, it is make-believe. So sometimes you just got to suspend belief I, and, and, and roll with it. And obviously his, his review that, or the re- review that Charlie's talking about, the guy said that uh, some of the stuff looked fake and we were like, well, it's a fucking superhero movie. It's, not so it's not supposed to be real but like i get what he was getting at like there should be some realism like you should almost kind of believe it but like at the same time i saw that in a lot of people's like critiques of the movie was like oh some of the cgi just looked just looked fake like cheetah didn't look i'm like cheetah didn't look like what a fucking cheetah person because if you can show me a real cheetah person i can compare and contrast but there is no such fucking thing so at the end of the day like yeah Unless like unless it's like prosthetic, like it's makeup, she's not gonna look like a real fucking cheetah person because there's no such fucking thing. Anatomically, she looked like fucking cheetah. Like I just read the Justice League or the the Dark Knight Death Metals where cheetahs in it. She fucking looks like the comic character on screen. That's what she looked like to me. And we're watching a movie based on fucking comic books. That's what I want to see. Like Alex Ross's golden armor that they used in this movie looks exactly fucking like the armor she wears in Kingdom Come. It's fucking amazing. But my point that I'm like, I'll counterpoint Charlie's take about whether, you know, I would have been upset spending money on this. My original plan for Wonder Woman was I wanted to watch it on debut on HBO Max because I had work. I wasn't going to be able to watch it and th- go that day and see it when it came out. Cause obviously it was on Christmas, which was a fucking terrible decision in my opinion. But I guess they figured most people are going to be home. We'll release it on television. We'll get subscribers for HBO max. Boom. That's how we make some money. 
cool. I was planning on watching it on HBO Max and then going to the theaters and watching it because I wanted to see it in IMAX. I've made the executive decision that I will not be going to the theaters to see this movie. Um, and it's not that I don't think it's unwatchable. I just have the ability to sit in my basement and watch it for free with surround sound. You know what I mean? Like completely different viewing options, obviously, but it's free in the sense that like I'm already paying for HBO max and using that service. I don't need to go pay for it again somewhere else. Um, same thing could be said for birds of prey now, like Batman versus Superman. If they did a theatrical re-release of like the director's cut, I would absolutely go and see that movie in theaters. Cause I, I think that movie is a theater worthy movie, whether other people believe it is or not. Um, but I did enjoy wonder woman. Um, I think my problems with wonder woman 1984 as a film are way different than what the average viewers problems are going to be. And everything for me, just like all the other DC movies is very story based issues. And people were like, I didn't think there was enough action. There was plenty of action in that movie. Um, a lot of people were like, well, I didn't like how weak wonder woman looked at certain points. These are all valid things that have been said to me from conversations with friends or reviews on posts on Facebook or other social media platforms. Well, you didn't like how she looked weak. Well, she only looked weak because she used the stone. The stone was cursed. There had, right. to, be, there had to be a side effect to her bringing her dead boyfriend back to life. That was the side effect, that she was no longer invulnerable, that she was becoming closer to human than she was God. So like that was the, how that got lost on people. And like, I legitimately said something to somebody on one of like the social, like a stranger, you know, terrible thing to do on the internet is to engage with it, it you know, it, it is C. But I said to him, I was like, did you not catch the beginning of the film when they said the stone was cursed? Like within the first, like, I don't know, 10 scenes, they literally, she, she holds the stone up. She's like, oh man, I haven't seen this in ages. You know, it, it's believed to be cursed. She literally says, it's believed to be cursed. So when the wish is made, we understand that stone is fucking cursed. There's going to be bad that comes from the good, right? So right. they're like, oh, all movie, I didn't like how she looked weak. Well, did you not realize she was cursed? What do you mean by that? She was cursed. Like, she used a cursed stone to bring her boyfriend back, so the, the, the stone was adversely affecting her in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's very similar to what happens with Cheetah. Or, or Kristen Wiig's character. She wishes for beauty, power, and to never be vulnerable again. Well, it made her basically into Wonder Woman, right? She was, she had, you know, agility. She could, you know, she had senses of, you know, basically a cat, so to speak. She could run fast. She could beat the shit out of the guys that were taking advantage of her. And, and now everybody, every time she walked into her room, they're all, all their heads and attentions turned to her. Well, that was right, fine, but, but she, but it took away from the kind person that she yes, was. It took uh, away from her humanity. Right. It, it, it basically darkened her, her soul to the point that, like when she was beating up that guy who obviously is a, a sleazeball, she couldn't even, she couldn't even stop herself for the same homeless man that she gave her, her leftovers to 20 minutes prior in the movie. So like my point was like, I get it. There's some plot devices that work, some plot devices that don't work. I agree. This is where my problems come in. This is my biggest critique of the film. We all know that Cheetah in the comics 
gets her form or gets her powers or, you know, her curse from a, a, a archaeological dig and she finds a cursed relic. Sometimes it's a stone, sometimes it's something else, and she basically wishes upon it or does whatever she does, and then she ends up getting cursed and becoming Cheetah. And that's where her relationship with Diana in the comics becomes more complex because Diana actually tries to help her reverse the curse, and she fails to do so, and that's what buds and builds their rivalry and their the animosity between the two characters. Because I've read plenty of Wonder Woman, you know, comics where her and Cheetah work side by side and Cheetah's kind of like an anti-hero, but obviously plenty of other stories are Cheetah and Wonder Woman fighting one another. That's why Cheetah doesn't like Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman failed to help her get back to normal. In the movie, we get a cursed stone. Cool. I was thinking like in my head, I'm like, all right, she's not an archeologist, but she's a preservationist at a, at a museum. She's going to do her little wish upon the star, which she did. She wished upon the stone. She got these, these amazing things, but then they brought Maxwell, they brought Max Lord into it. They didn't need to do that. Max Lord has meta abilities in the comic books. He has the ability to control people's minds already. We didn't need him to wish upon a stone to get that. So they could have just said like Maxwell Lord had this like untapped meta ability that he was unaware of. And when he hit his absolute lowest, when Simon Stagg came into his office and basically called him out and told him that he doesn't want work with him anymore, he could have had a moment where as Simon Stagg was like walking out of that office, that he says something or does something that triggers something in Simon Stagg and Simon Stagg turns around and changes his mind. And they could have slowed road rolled from that. For me, as a comic book fan that knows the abilities of these characters, their backstories, and understanding like plot concepts and things and whatnot for, for at least for movies, they could have done that better. They didn't need to combine Cheetah's basically Cheetah's origin with Maxwell Lord. They didn't need to do that. Because at the end of it, they could have still done like the mind control. They still could have done all that other stuff and basically had Wonder Woman overcome that they could have used Maxwell Lord's mind control ability to control Cheetah. That's why she's fighting Wonder Woman, so to speak, right? Like there, there's so many ways you could have went about making the story just a little bit better than it was. And it would have made a whole lot more sense. And then obviously my, my, my other biggest problem with the movie was bringing Steve Trevor back was a complete fucking wasted plot point. It didn't need to happen. In the grand scheme of things, it was, it was completely pointless. It did nothing but to weaken Wonder Woman. That was the whole purpose of Steve Trevor coming back. But why couldn't we have done that some other way? You know what I mean? Like, why couldn't Wonder Woman have been just weakened from, I don't know, fucking plutonium or something? I don't fucking know. But they could have come up with a better better reason than she wished to bring Steve Trevor back. They really literally only did that because Chris they wanted Chris Pine back in the movie. And, and, and to me, that he didn't add anything to the movie. Like he, he was kind of like a character that was just there. There was no purpose right. of him. Um, no. uh, you got some, some comedic relief. Yes. At points. At points. That was it. And, and, and I didn't need that. This movie for, for the grandeur that it was like with all the pomp and circumstance and the flashy ads. I mean, DC's the best trailer company in the fucking world when it comes to their movies and, and, and promotion and posters and all the other stuff. This movie doesn't hold a candle to Wonder Woman, the original. 
It just doesn't to me. No, I mean, yeah, I don't, and I think that's maybe that's part of the reason that people are are being so harsh on it is because they went in expecting Wonder Woman, like the first one, and got a not so good second. But like, I, I think I've said this before on, on our on our show is in in general sequels are never as good as the as the first one. The very few times does a, a second movie come out and and surpass the first one uh empire strikes back being one of them you know that was the second one in, in the star wars franchise i would say the dark and Knight. I, the dark knight is a better sequel than batman begins right um and then uh terminator 2 right like those are the three like off the top of my head that i can think about right now like go this those were the sequels that were better than the first yeah but um that said, it's like hey, people are going, I want a better movie for a sequel. Well, tell me, how frequently do you go see a sequel and go, oh, that was way better than the first one? Yeah, your expectations are higher for the sequel because the first one right. was good. It, it started off well. But my, like I said, this, this divulges into a better conversation of like, you know, I kind of wanted to end our, our, our issue with this because I wanted to talk about this as our, our you know our conversationalist point, but we can do this quickly. The DC universe needs to stop meddling because that's what they're doing, right? We talk about this in, in our, uh, our hot off the press issue. It seems like DC gets like a couple books that are really well written, but they're usually smaller titles. They're smaller characters, whatever. And they're usually they're usually not fucked with. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I told you Batman and the outsiders was really good. You know, it was really, really good for a a while. Justice league odyssey was really, really good for its entire run, but they were books. Nobody was talking about. They were books that nobody was fucking with. They weren't doing spinoffs in and doing all this other bullshit. in. they just were standalone books that were being written. They weren't a part of like the greater DCU like events and all the chain reaction shit. They were just kind of standalone and they were being written by, you know, authors that to their credit are, are, are acclaimed within the industry, but they're not like the Tom Kings or Scott Snyder's or James Tynan's like they're just the smaller guys. The same thing needs to start happening with movies. I hate to say this, but like, they meddle with everything. They change and reshoot and bring in this person or that person. Like Patty Jenkins didn't write the first Wonder Woman, but she had a writing credit for this one. Patty Jenkins needs to just go back to directing the movie. She doesn't need to write the fucking movie. She's not a fucking writer. She's a director. Why are we doing this? Like they put Jeff Johns in fucking executive producer roles. He's a fucking comic book writer. Right. He's not a movie executive. He's not a producer. And don't get me wrong, Jeff Johns has been producing television for years now. And he's probably in a capacity where he's a part of the storyboard team. But my problem is, is it seems like any fucking movie that guy's an executive producer on, it sucks. And to be completely honest with you, I'm not a huge fucking fan of any of the DC shows anymore either that he's a part of. I don't think The Flash is as good as it was at one point. Obviously, Green Arrow's over. Fucking Batwoman might as well be sinking in the fucking harbor as it is with, you know, changing their lead within a a fucking season. Supergirl's ending. Legends of Tomorrow is a shell of what it used to be. It's just not... they, they, They canceled Black Lightning. Like, so it goes to show you, like, 
the Arrowverse in and of itself is like, it's like a fixer-upper with a really nice outside. You know what I mean? Like, when you look at, like, a house from afar, you're like, man, that house looks like a nice house, and you walk inside, and there's, it's, it's, it's just fucking bones. There's no walls. There's no, you know, drywall. There's no electricity. There's no, it's just framing. That's what the Arrowverse basically is now. And that's what DC movies are becoming. They're becoming framework. They look really fucking good when they send out the trailers. But when, when we go in to watch the movie, there's no fucking substance. And Gal, Gal Gadot is, is, is the personification of Wonder Woman. Like, for generations moving forward, she's going to be the Wonder Woman people know and love. And it's because she embodies the character. She loves the character. She clearly is invested in being Wonder Woman. Probably more than anybody else has been investing in, invested in any of their characters. You know, you don't really hear much about Ezra Miller in The Flash because Ezra Miller is always getting in fucking trouble outside doing dumb shit. Jason Momoa is Jason Momoa. He's, he's larger than the Aquaman character. Henry Cavill is Superman one day, not Superman the next, so you don't really know what's going on with that. We discussed Ray Fisher earlier. We discussed Ben Affleck earlier. I think Ben Affleck was bought into being Batman, but they burned him out so fucking quickly just based off of politics and bullshit. It's one of those things where you're like, you know, Gal's pretty much the only one that has no drama, is running her franchise, and, 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 and loves it and embraces it. And she's just a genuinely, seems like a genuinely good person. And she doesn't need a ton of range as an actress to portray Wonder Woman. That's the beauty of it. But the problem I have with this franchise and with the DCEU extended universe as a whole is the meddling. Stop fucking with stories. Stop fucking with back, you know, origins that you don't need to change just to suit your movie or your script. Because then it fucks it up moving forward. They, inter- they introduced Maxwell Lord, but they don't have the Dominators because we're not doing Crisis on Infinite Earth in the movies, right? That's how Maxwell Lord technically gets his, his ability to control people and his meta abilities tapped into. That's my problem with it. That's my problem with the DCEU as a whole. They, they did it with BVS, with the Dark Knight Returns story arc being crushed into the death of Superman arc and all the and that was the problem a lot of people had it was so much sub so much story in such a little bit of time that it was done poorly and I, I think moving forward if the DCEU can just calm itself down go character to character kind of like they did with Wonder Woman in the first one Aquaman in his first movie and Shazam in his first movie those three movies back to back to back proved that they were starting to understand what worked in their formula. And then this comes out. And I don't want people to think that like this is a terrible movie. You get a lot of cool visuals, a lot of great scenes, and a lot of good act, you know, good superhero movie stuff. But there's just the action doesn't make the story better. And what's his name? Um Mando is Maxwell Lord. And to watch, to watch the last episode of Mandalorian where like you see his range and his ability as an actor to then watch him play Maxwell Lord and you're like, this is awful. Like his whole character is just cheesy. And I don't know if that's what they wanted him to be, but that's not who Maxwell Lord is in the comics. Yeah, they made him more like a game show host than a super villain. Yeah. 
People and a lot of people don't know who Max Maxwell or Max Lord is because he's not a, he's not a, like a prolific he's not Lex Luthor or like Darkseid or whatever. But he's a pretty big deal in the comics whenever he's utilized. He's like end of the world type bad guy, and they basically made him out to be a con artist in this in this movie. And I'm like. That's such a a cheap parlor version of what Maxwell Lord actually is. Um, but probably the first movie in a while that I, I wasn't overly impressed with um, when I thought I was going to be. Um, but like Charlie said, it's watchable. It's something that you can still enjoy. If you already have HBO Max, why you wouldn't watch it is beyond me. You're getting a theatrical release movie included in your packaging. Just watch it. It makes no sense not to. Um, but let's dive in. Let's, let's move on from that. I think, I think that's enough wallowing in the DC pity. Um, let's move on to supernatural. Let's, let's end this issue on a high note. So I got through all 15 seasons. It took me about a month and a half, uh, basically watching two to three episodes a day. If I could, um, some days more than others. It, it's up there with super uh, with with Smallville as probably one of my favorite long-standing television shows because Smallville lasted for nine seasons. This obviously for fifteen. Both of those shows are CW shows, obviously, but man, they're they're both they were both just although they had their lulls or where it kind of dipped a little bit and you were kind of it was kind of boring or the repetitive story I should say. Um, man, they were fucking good. They're they're both so fucking good. Comparative to like Arrow, which like had its really high points and super fucking low points, Supernatural and Smallville are pretty consistent. And I would say Supernatural probably more so than Smallville, in my opinion. Probably why it yeah, lasted. So for me, like, you know, Supernatural is, is one of my all-time favorite shows. It's in my top three. Um could possibly even be in my top two. Uh that's how good it is. Um and I've, I've loved it. I've loved watching it for the last 15 years. It was something that um, my wife and I started watching when it first came on, and we watched it all the way through. We've never watched an episode without one another. Uh, and, uh, you know, to watch from the very beginning all the way to the very end, um, it's been it's been a fun ride. Uh, and it's it's kind of sad that it's that it's over. Yeah. Uh, but but they did a good job with the with the series. Yeah. You know, uh, every every season had its, its great points. There was, yeah, there were some parts where, you know, we called them, you know, the filler episodes, uh, but, uh, but overall, you, but the you, story was, but you know, the, I, I caught this regularly as I, I was like, I binged it. So I watched it pretty, you know, concurrently your fill in episodes were just them doing the normal hunts. And they were for me, like when you were having like these heavy, you know, whether it was heaven versus hell or hell versus earth or earth versus heaven or, you know, whatever. When you were having these massive stories being told in these seasons, those like, hey, Sammy, let's get back to what we do. And they jump, you know, him and Dean jump, jump in the car and they go, they go hunt, you know, uh, 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 a, monster, uh, a monster for the episode, whatever it was, vampire, werewolf, you know, ghoul, goblin, whatever. When they did that, you were, it was almost like a decompression episode 
Because they weren't worried about God or Lucifer or Michael or the Leviathan or whoever they were they were dealing with at the time. They were just worried about hunting that monster and saving whoever they were saving. Yeah, but like I I always wanted the story that was being told. Like I, I get what you're saying, but like, you know, when you're in the middle of a of a a story and it just there's no real progression to that story. It's like, this was a, this was a waste of time because you're, it's, it's like, um, it's just like there. <laughs> I, I don't know how so, to describe. It. So I agree with it you. Be it, like, it would be like in the middle of like in the middle of Joker war, like, Oh yeah, by the way, uh, Batman needs to, uh, go deal with um, the Mad Hatter because uh, you know he's doing something. Yeah. Um, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the Joker War story. But okay, well he he yeah, there still are other villains and he has to deal with them. Well, it, it, it made sense. To well, make one of the of things, the one of the things though, that they did well in those those episodes was your last ten minutes of those episodes usually contained some story element to it. Like they get back to the bunker and they find out that, you know, Michael is back from the the war world or, you know, Lucifer has gotten out of the cage or what. They, there was always something at the end of those monster episodes or those hunt episodes, those filler episodes that played into the larger story. And like I said, I think they did that because they felt that they need, usually those, I'm, I'm assuming when those episodes aired, it'd be like a holiday week. You know what I mean? Where they like, they knew they weren't going to get a lot of viewers. So they didn't put a lot of effort in. They didn't need to, because that, that was the, the whole, the best part about Supernatural wasn't necessarily that they needed like top notch actors or the best actors in the world. They just needed guys that could tell this story on screen, which I think the cast and crew do, do a phenomenal job through 15 years and 15 seasons of doing, but also the story where like you, your first like two, probably like with two or three seasons, they don't really deal with the whole God, heaven, hell, Lucifer. It's literally just them hunting yellow eyes and the demons and hunting bad guys and monsters. So, they already had that like ready-made filler episode ability because they could just go back to what worked for their first three seasons. And obviously technology gets better and TV gets better and production gets better. So by the time you're in like seasons eight, nine, ten ish, those filler monster hunt episodes, the production value is so great and so much better than what it was when you first start watching the show. It just, to me, no, it doesn't add anything to the, the grander story, but it gave you some really great episodes. Like for me, later on in the show, one of my favorite episodes is when um, the comic book store owner's ghost is um, haunting like the toys in the store. And when people steal from him or do something like he he he's he's taking um, it out on that the, that one employee who takes the um what's the cat's name from um Thundercats the the blue one was it Lino or was it Panthro Panthro so he has a Panthro collectible figure and and this is the nerd in me right the guy works at a comic shop. 
this person brings in like this collection that they purchased and he he pulls this collector's like one in 12 panthro out and he's like oh he's like infatuated with it and then an employee the manager calls the store and he basically she reams him out because he basically told somebody that they were an idiot because they thought something with pop culture and he didn't believe in the same thing whatever well he takes panthro home well he ends up getting beat up by panthro like the toy because the ghost is haunting the toy and of course dean and sam are off the heels of getting their ass kicked by one of the countless gods or beings that they deal with in their main storyline and they get wind of this and dean's like oh no no we got to do this and i'm pretty sure it was around halloween time that that episode aired because dean was in his room watching a slasher film um and i forget the name of the slasher guy but like it was the most ludicrous, like ridiculous character design style, whatever. But obviously Dean and them go to the comic shop. Well, this slasher movie guy is uh, there. They have a giant statue of him. Well, throughout the midst of the episode towards the end, the shop owner's ghost possesses the statue and goes to the hospital. Cause he wants to kill this employees, a vengeful spirit essentially. And like, it's just, hysterical like dean like geeking out over like the sci-fi stuff and sam not quite understanding it finally like for for once in the show sam wasn't the nerd it was dean but like it's just like that's an episode for me it it literally it played no part in anything that was going on with jack or castiel or god or lucifer or michael or the battle for heaven hell and earth like it was just them fighting a ghost and the ghost was taking form in the most ludicrous things. It was first it was Panthro, then it was a chainsaw, then it was the the statue of this this slasher film monster or killer. And it's just funny, man. Like they but that's my point though. Like that's one of those episodes that I really personally I really enjoy and I remember. I remember all the story episodes, but that's an episode that sticks out to me, not just because I just finished watching, but also, because it, it, it there's just so much in that episode that resonates. So, all right, so we get to the finale, and uh, you know, it's just a basic, you know, supernatural storyline. So let, um, let let me interrupt yeah. you real quick. The second to last episode should have been the finale. Yeah, I mean, I can see how that, but you know, you you kind of want to give closure there. You know, what happens to them afterwards, and. And, and you do, you get that with, with the actual finale, right? Does it suck that Dean goes out the way that he yes, goes out? That's my problem. And, and I, yeah, like I get it, but you know, like through the whole series, you know, they're like, you know, this life only ends one way, right? Like they, they, you know, they made sure to emphasize that all the time throughout the entire series. And it did, it ended exactly the way you think it would. Like, you know, these guys, when they die, like it's, it, free things happen and yeah and it sucks that it did but you know we we do get the happy ending right uh, yeah. essentially i mean he you do he, he, he you know he has a kid he names him dean they, he brings him up into the into the life and uh you know and then when they, they reunite in heaven and, and that's pretty cool yeah and like i said i i didn't mind it i didn't mind the ending i didn't like like you said i did not like how dean went out i did not like that at all that was one of those things because I saw it coming. I mean, anybody with a, a pulse saw it coming when, you know, he gets push, pushed back the first time 
and you see the spike. And two thoughts went through my head when I saw that. I said, either he's putting the vampire through that, or he's going through it. Or Sammy's going to go through it. One of the two was going to go through it. And then obviously, you know, Dean does, and, you know, they have their, their nice tearful goodbye, and, you know, Dean ends up in heaven. Finds out that Jack tore down all the walls and turned it into the paradise that it's supposed to be. Um, but I personally believe the episode before that should have been the end of it. And you could have done a flash forward after the the montage of of them driving in the in in in, in baby one last time. You could have done a flash forward of either them older and passing away or you shit. You could have done a quick hunt. Like, you know, they, they could have just jumped to like the fight scene with the vampires and you don't really need the closure, but you could have done it in a way. I just didn't think like that whole episode, like you're, you're kind of walking on eggshells cause you knew that the, the hammer was going to drop and, and so to speak, and you were just waiting for one of them to die. I just, I didn't, I don't know. I, I think for me personally, like, yes, I liked the closure. I guess, like you said, you, you want the closure for the characters to know what happens to them. But I could have also just went with the, okay, I'm good with them. Because I watched that episode and then the next episode came on. I'm like, wait, there's another episode after this one? I'm like, that was the perfect fucking ending was them beating God, Jack taking his rightful place as God. And then moving, you know, them driving off into the sunset. But obviously, that's <laughs> it's not the ending they they cooked up for us. Um, I had no, I had no, and, and a big thing too about that show, as you go through, there's a lot of TV shows. As they get older, they add characters that really ruin the show. Jack initially, I was not a fan of, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, his character's kind of, you know too problematic for the, the grand scheme of things. But then as he like would like disappear or he would be killed and brought back or he started becoming a fabric of the show. And then by the end of it, you were rooting for Jack to be God. Like you were rooting for him to take over heaven essentially. And then when it finally happens, you were like, fuck yeah, about time. Super glad that that's, you know, a way that they went with this. Um, and yeah. they, and they also did a really good, good job of turning Chuck into the bad guy. Like that was such a slow and long burn up until the, the semi finale, the, the, the episode before the finale, man, you were like really like flabbergasted, like with how fucking shitty Chuck acted the whole fucking last season. You were like, man, he's a really, he's a fucking dick. But I, I, I thought, I thought that whole final season was a, was a, was a perfect like synopsis of like, I think everybody's relationship with God, like you love it. You love the concept that there's this being who looks after you, but he does so much fucked up stuff within the world and within uh, everyday life of your own life. You start to question whether he's got it right. (laughs) Right. But overall, man, like I love the show. Um, and, uh, you know, I think maybe we, you know, at some point we come back, we do a deep dive into it. You know, maybe we bring it back for uh, a spotlight or something and, yeah. and really dive deep into it. Uh, but I, I loved it. The, yeah. Uh, the, the whole and show, there was, but. there was talks of a spinoff for Jody and the blonde stepped or adopted daughter, whatever she is to her. Um, 
I actually wasn't against that. I like, cause I heard that a, a while back and then they were like, well, that's been axed at this point. It's not going to happen. But like, as I was catching up on the show, I'm like, damn, that might actually been not that bad. You know what I mean? Like some CW spinoff ideas, you're kind of like, oh, that'd be pretty fucking bad. But if I'm being honest, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have hated that one. I, I think that was something they could probably run it. But like you said, I think later on we could probably dive into this, especially after watching all 15 seasons. It's still pretty fresh in my mind. Um, but I think that'll wrap up this issue um, for us. I think that's a, a good spot to, to cliffhang on. So um, if you guys are not already subscribed, uh, make sure you guys like and subscribe to the show um, through whatever podcasting format that you're on. If you can, give us a review. Uh, I know Apple um, Podcast allows for that. Um, just leave a little quick comment on what you guys like or don't like about the show. We don't care if you give us one star or five stars. It does not matter to us. We want to know what we're doing well. Heading into 2021, we want to make this show the best possible um, listening experience for you guys. Um, that's why we're, we're diving a little deeper. We're doing weekly stuff now um, and making sure we're covering whatever we're talking about a little bit more in depth so there isn't some... Um, there's no room for interpretation of how we feel about things. Um, if you're not already doing so, give us a follow on all our social media platforms at DGI Podcast, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we have it. Um, make sure you give us a like and a um, follow there as well. Um, you have any thoughts or f- closing f- uh, feelings there, Charlie? I do not, man. So if you've got nothing else, then uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you all the next episode. Mark, uh, go ahead and hit our music.